Hey, I'm Steve. We're going to talk about some stuff today, and this is going to be so uh, unnerving for me. I'm actually very nervous and scared about today because sitting across my desk is Taylor Powelson, and she is a college student, and she's been running our podcast and our sound engineer. And uh, hey, Taylor, just remind people about who you are. Just tell us your story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, how old are you and just where right. you grew up and stuff like that? Okay. Well, I'm 18. Uh, I'm in college, as Steve just said, and I edit podcasts also, as Steve just said. So um, that that sums it up pretty much. Okay. <laughs> All right. And you uh, grew up on the East Coast, though, right? Oh, yeah. That's okay. I guess that's pretty significant. I'm from, well, I was born in Germany, but grew up in North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina. Is that a big culture shift from North Carolina to Oregon, or is it not um, really a big deal? Hmm, I think weather-wise, yes. Oh, People-wise, sure. not so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. So did you live in Germany very long? Uh, four years, but I don't remember so any of it. you don't speak it. German? I don't. I know mm. a couple of German words, but none that should be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice to know, Taylor. I'll be on the lookout for that. So a couple of weeks ago, I said to Taylor, hey, let's do a podcast on five questions a college student or Taylor would like to ask a pastor, you know, and, and she agreed to do that. So that's what we're going to do today. That's why I'm that's why I'm kind of nervous because I don't know what's coming, and I'm just going to have her fire away, and we'll talk about these five questions. Okay, well, we'll start simple, start small, and then we'll get crazy. So first and foremost, Steve, how's your day going? My my day is going really well. It it uh, I started at 8 a.m. today, or 7 maybe, and I wrapped up my slides for Sunday sermon, made sure the outline discussion questions were good to go, and then I rechecked my calendar for preaching because I thought I made a big mistake, and I didn't. So I'm kind of relieved um, that I planned out my calendar right. And then I'm doing these podcasts today, so things are things are just moving right along. Yeah, sounds like a productive morning. Yeah. Okay, let's get a little deeper now. <laughs> okay, that was a softball. Yes. Okay. So when someone says that they came to Christ because they heard God speak to them, or they had some sort of spiritual encounter with God. How does that differ from someone of another faith or another religion having the same spiritual experience? Does that make any of those those experiences invalid? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, uh, that's a great question. I think about that. So sometimes people will say to me, "I became a Christian when I." Uh, I'm just going to pull some things out, and maybe you can we can talk about it. Like I went to summer camp. And I heard the speaker, and I felt like God was talking to me, and I prayed to receive Christ, something like that. Or I have a friend that was listening to Billy Graham, who died last year, but or well-known event. I saw him on TV, and I just felt like God was telling me, "You, I should, I should trust Christ as my Savior." So they have some type of, or they go through a traumatic event of some kind. I, all kinds of things, right? And they uh, come to know God in a deep personal way. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yes. So if someone of another faith, so if someone had the same experience with maybe Allah, um, how, how does I guess how does that differ? How does is it? Would you say that's a real experience or? Um, like, sure. Okay. So my friends who are Islam, who are um, who are Muslims or Hindus or. Um, I know a lot of Buddhists because I've been to Asia a lot. So um, so I think there are two things to look at. Number one is 
experiences are experiences and they might be fact-based or they might be feeling-based. And people who are feeling-based often will attach on to the experiences, I think. And people who are fact-based and skeptical-minded, like me, so I'm going to put myself in that category, uh, would, would uh, gravitate toward the facts. So here's what I mean by that. So I can point to the facts of Jesus was alive, or Jesus came to earth, he, uh, he was a real person, the claims of the Bible, the trustworthiness of the Bible, and the facts concerning Jesus. And when I look at the facts concerning um, other religions and so forth, you know, I see so many discrepancies in that. And so I, I, I'm careful not to discount other people's experiences, so I often go with the facts. Well, let's talk about the facts of that. Uh, experience is that is that at all helpful? Yes. Sort of, sort of not. Kind of. You're looking at me like. Yes. <laughs> so, so the person I, I would know who's a Buddhist might say, "Well, I went to the, okay." So this guy tells me in a Buddhist temple, um, "I come here because when I meditate, I can get rid of all my suffering," and that's his experience. Well, as I ask him more questions, I realize, well, this. It doesn't seem to really be true for him as we talk about that. And Buddhists really don't believe there's a God. They're more atheistic. Um, and so we start looking at the facts. Things appear a little bit different, I would say. So when I that, so that's one way that I, that I okay. would think about it as so, well. I, yeah, some people had some type of emotional experience, but was that emotional experience based on facts? That's, that's what okay. I would say. Gotcha. So I don't want to discount anybody's emotional experience, but I want to point them and talk about the facts behind that those makes, things. That makes so much sense. Yes. Is that? Okay. Okay. Well, that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this one might not, we might have to cover this one in another podcast, but I will just go ahead and throw it out there. Okay. So the past couple of weeks, you have been talking about, um, what's the word? Apologetic. Uh, mm-hmm. Apologetics. So... Knowing the cosmological, ontological, and all these other arguments for the existence of a God, mm-hmm. um, how do we know the existence of the Christian God? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, we can talk about that. So, um, because just because we can say there is a God doesn't mean that it's the Christian God, right? And people are going to say that. Yes. So one great example of that is Anthony Flew. He was the he was the leading atheist up until his death last year. Uh, he's British scholar, and he went around the country. He went around Europe and the United States debating a Christian apologist whether God actually exists. Well, after thirty years of debating the same guy, he finally changed his view and said there is a God. That's amazing, but he said the God is not Jesus. Right, right. Yeah. So, so then they changed what they were doing, and they went around and debated whether the there was whether the resurrection really happened. So now they're debating, well, if there is a God, who is that God? And that's kind of the question, right? So when I think about these things, I often point people to we need to look at the claims of Jesus and the historical facts about Jesus, and that helps us to. Uh, give evidence for, as you said, the Christian God. So let me give you a couple examples. Prophecy. So I can look at Isaiah and say he wrote seven, eight hundred years before the time of Christ, and yet he wrote about the birth of Christ. And he nailed 
he nailed those facts. Those came to be true. Uh, Daniel wrote 500, uh, 600 years before the time of Christ, and he nailed that too. Those prophetic things came true. Or prophetic things in the book of Psalms that David wrote about the coming Messiah, uh, Psalm 22, for example. So that's incredible. Uh, so then when we look at the resurrection, I think that's where the most important part we need to go to is saying, well, is that true or is that not true? So someone who is Islamic uh, might look at Muhammad in the 7th century in the caves and that the, you know, the claim is the angel spoke to him. And, and Muhammad would say that Jesus is a prophet, but he's, uh, he's, he's not God. So we have to weigh those things against the Christian viewpoint. And so I don't think we need to shy away from that. But somebody who's an atheist often is convinced that they're an agnostic. I just don't know whether there's a God. And then when they become convinced, well, maybe there is a God, then we uh, need to present the claims of Christ, those prophetic things, the reliability of Scripture, evidence for the resurrection. Okay. Does that answer what you're talking about at all? Yes. You're looking at me like maybe, maybe not. (laughs) No, it's just— You can ask follow-up questions to that. No, I think that 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 makes sense, just the— the prophecies and um, eyewitnesses? Yes, yeah, so that's another one. So uh, the four Gospels were written by the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus. And there were 500 eyewitnesses. So many, many eyewitnesses, and we can't discount that. And there were other first century writers who uh, gave credence to the existence of Jesus. So we have eyewitness reports about him. Okay. So those are those are some of the evidentiary things that we would think about. Okay. So if I was looking at this as an atheist, I could um, I could almost say that those four eyewitnesses or disciples um, who have written about it, I I would always almost be like, well maybe it's for people maybe they're making this up but then you bring up there's 500 eyewitnesses so where do we get those 500 eyewitnesses from well the writers of scripture talk about those 500 witnesses and so one of the things that's very interesting is that if this was all a hoax then uh, people would those 500 people say well we're not part of that group but there were 500 people that were affirming those mm-hmm. four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, saying, right. yes, that is what we saw. Those are the things that we heard. Yes. So uh, we have those things. One of the very interesting things about the four gospels is that the minutia of details actually points to the reliability of the scripture. So any defense attorney knows this. When you get into court and you start asking people about minor details, well, I walked across the room and the TV had um, uh, this show on, The Bachelorette. And that's a little detail that if you're writing something false, you're not going to throw those details in because the minutia, the details can prove whether it's true or not. And the New Testament is laced with those kind of evidentiary things that point to the reliability of the people writing it. So the eyewitness was accurate and correct. Mm -hmm. So in the Gospel of John, he writes many times about the geography well, we can check that out. He goes, well, the or or the time of day, geography, like like um, how many porticos were in Solomon's colonnade. 
you know, things like that that we can that we can double check. Okay. Does that make does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. really hard to discredit five hundred eyewitnesses. So sure. And one of the things that sometimes is a criticism of that mm-hmm. is saying, well, they were they were hallucinating. They really mm-hmm. didn't see Jesus alive. And one of the things we have to realize is when it comes to hallucinations people will have the same hallucinations that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection for 500 people mm-hmm. to have the same hallucination that just doesn't happen right right and jesus was actually dead that's another complaint or criticism or well jesus wasn't really dead the romans made sure everybody was dead who was on the cross that was their job mm-hmm. yeah you're not getting taken down on the cross unless you're dead gotcha yeah okay um i guess this brings us to are we on four now i think we're on four okay okay so I see so many people talk about their faith and they have this deep connection with the Lord. And that's something I struggle with because I want to I find the Lord and I want to build a deeper connection with him. And I see so many people have this connection, but they also interpret the Bible differently. So then do they see God as a different person? Like, I, I, I suppose they, they see God in the general sense. Like, we, we can... The bigger picture of things, but when it comes to the little details of who a person is, um, how do you, how do you build that relationship with the Lord, and how do you know it's true with interpretation? Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, sort of. I'll ramble okay. here, and you can correct me. How's gotcha. That, that sounds good. Uh, yeah. So um, when we talk about a relationship with God, it's a personal relationship in the sense that, like you and I have a relationship, we can mm-hmm. talk to each other, and we're getting to know each other. And we can do that with God, too. And maybe one of the questions to ask is, how do I do that? And and I think reading Scripture is important because it's like God's uh, uh, letter to us. It's, inf- you know, it's God's text messages to us. Some people would say it's God's love letter to us. So this is, I'm dating myself here, Taylor, but <laughs> when Mary and I were engaged, we were apart for three months. And... Uh, we would write physical letters to each other. I couldn't wait to get those letters. And I would read them over and over, right? And so if this is, if Scripture is God's love letter to us, we read it over and over and get to really know the person who wrote it. And I and I think we need to be thinking in those terms. And then, so God wrote this, and I can talk back to him, and that's called prayer. So I can read the letter over and over and just reflect on it. I'll give you an example. If I, today... I had read for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal shall not perish but have eternal life and let's say I read that today and then I can just think about that and how much God loves me and then how much I want to love him back because I'm so grateful and then maybe I tell him that I just pray back Lord thank you for saving me and so that just develops my relationship with him and so the basis of that relationship is faith or trust and am I really trusting God with my life? So here's an example, trusting God with my life. So let's just say finances. Will I trust God with my, uh, to be able to pay the rent at the end of the month or to have enough food to have my daily, you know, it's the Lord's Prayer, my daily bread, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And so will I trust him? So it's a relationship of trust. Trust and faith are synonyms that mean the same thing. So I'm developing my relationship of trust. I trust him a little bit more I trust him a little bit more I trust him a little bit more I think human relationships are the same way so take Mary and I again we trust each other 
And I define trust this way. And I, in marriages, and I do this for people all the time, I just say it's words plus actions over time. So do my words match my actions over a period of time? And when I get that with Jesus, I realize that he is trustworthy. His words and uh, his actions told me over time that he's dependable and reliable to come through for me. So it's an ongoing trust relationship. And uh, it's based on trust. It's developed in love. That's the phrase that I use a lot. It's based on trust. It's developed in love. So I'm just loving God more and more. So when it comes to interpretation, people maybe have different opinions about the Bible. Um, I think that's fine. There's a core crux of things that are really important to believe, like Jesus is real. He died and rose again. Uh, the Bible's reliable for us. Um, uh, you can begin your relationship by faith. You know, those are the other things are not quite at that level or as important. And so we shouldn't uh, maybe stress out about some of those things. Okay. Does that... Am I yeah. getting close to what you want Definitely. to talk about? Definitely. I think you I think you hit the head on the nail. <laughs> okay. You You're just not saying that, are you? <laughs> no. Okay. No. All right. Okay. And then my last question, uh, which actually ties into you and Mary, what what is the key to a successful marriage? Uh, <laughs> that's an awesome question. So um, I think I think for us, communication, just being able to talk, so I'll just, is, a, is one. And I'll give you a quick example of that. So early on in our marriage, I had to work on talking to her. And so I would drive home from working, and I would think, what am I going to tell her today? I need to think about what I'm going to tell her today. And I would have to actually turn off my car radio or whatever I was doing and just think about, this is what I'm going to tell her today. And then I realized she just didn't want to know the facts of what happened. Well, I uh, I did my calendar today. You just asked me how to do it. I did my calendar today, and you know I did this. I met with this person. Well, I need to be able to tell her how I felt about those things. So early on in marriage, I went, okay, I need to tell her that Mrs. Cohen ticked me off today, one of my clients, because of this, you know, or so-and-so. You know, I just, or, man, I, it worked out so great today. It just lined up for me, you know, just sharing that joyous emotion too so it's not about negative so i think communication is a big deal i think humor is a big deal and being able to laugh at each other it's just a big so i can't believe i'm going to share this but so this is what happened a few weeks ago this is an example of laughing with each other and having that kind of i i uh we were playing cards with our friends and uh it was mary and her friend lisa against roger and i my friend roger and Roger and I are winning all the games. And and then we start kind of bragging about it. I know it's hard for you to believe. <laughs> okay. And we're just got a little trash talk and we're just kind of – and I really pushed their buttons. And uh, Mary called me a fathead. And uh, – no, she calls me that a lot. You're oh. looking, Chuck. Okay, okay. And it's her term of endearment for me. But, but, but she kept calling me a fathead. Well, it annoyed me finally. I said – and I said, well <laughs> – Okay, this is what happened. So I, so we're in this, you know, silly thing about you fathead. She says, and then I said, well, you fat, fat, and I got befuddled. I didn't know what to say, and I just blurted out, you fat woman. Oh no, Steve. Yeah, okay, okay. So, and and, and uh, I know I can't believe I should. And this is this is what, and she laughed and laughed. So, and I share that story and. 
only to say that being able to laugh with each other is, I think, a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just part of the marriage thing. I can't believe I shared that story, you know, but uh, true story, too. <laughs> and But I think, you know, being able to communicate, being able to laugh together. Um, a lot of times in marriage, you're not on the same page and you need to be able to talk. And then I think the, the most important thing is... Um, your spiritual base in life, that each of you have the same spiritual base. So I picture it like this, Taylor, that it's like a triangle, that here's Mary and I on the bottom of the triangle, God at the apex, and the closer you get to God, the base of the triangle gets smaller and smaller. So the closer both of us get to the Lord, we're getting closer to each other at the same time. That's a wonderful way to visualize it. Yeah, so... um, so I think as both of us grow in our walk with the Lord and we talk about that and then we that just brings us together as well that's why it's so important I just encourage you to marry somebody who has the same spiritual base so I picture this if you marry somebody who their most important priority in life is uh, elk hunting I mean that's like everything to them then they're growing toward their sport and you're growing toward the Lord we're actually kind of growing apart in a way so if you have the same mm-hmm. connection spiritually that for both of you your primary priority in life is is uh, your walk with God then you're both moving in the same direction and growing together so you're growing closer together and I would say that by far is the most important thing about marriage okay Sex, a successful marriage yeah that was uh well said <laughs> okay all right and a shocking story to go with that <laughs> <laughs> okay well i think that is that is it i think we're heading towards the end of the podcast hey i can i ask you a question oh okay okay, okay yes you asked me five questions. <laughs> so you're a college freshman correct yes for the typical college freshman or even for you what's the things that you um have the most stress or anxiety about that's like the biggest concern in your life mm. Oh, well, now I got to think about this. Um, oh, that's hard. See, when, I'm just kind of reflecting back yeah. a long time ago for me, but mm-hmm. it might have been I just want to pass these classes. I'm just stressed out about mm-hmm. my grades. And But maybe that's not the case today. I think for me at least it's wanting to do well and not wanting to disappoint others. I really want to help and give, and it – stresses me out when I feel like I'm not going to be enough to do or be who I need to be to help someone else. Okay. I think that's my, my biggest thing. All right. All right. Great. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, Taylor. <laughs> this is Stuff with Steve and uh, Grace and Peace uh, be with you today.